Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. Here's Rick Uccino and SP3 on the Believe Podcast Network. And welcome in special time, regular day here on the Believe in Pro Wrestling Podcast. So we thank you for joining us in. Hopefully you found us here at 105 instead of the usual 215. We like to keep you on your toes. We just like to keep you guessing because God knows like consistency, you know, that's the way to build an audience. But that ain't our style here uh, over at Believe in Pro Wrestling. Ricky Chino, SP3 with you guys here for the next 45 minutes or so. Coming out of a wild weekend in Boston, and then everything we saw happen on Monday Night Raw last night, which was in Norfolk, Virginia, if I'm remembering correctly. The bloodline, standing tall, a solid, cohesive unit, no cracks in the armor whatsoever. How long is that going to last? The man has come back around. The man of the people, more importantly, has come back around. And that is a very, very good thing for Monday Night Raw moving forward. We have reported CM Punk creative plans prior to the brawl out at All Out. And so much more that we got to dive in here today. We got a big dynamite tomorrow. Game three, match three of the Elite versus the Death Triangle. The Elite trying to avoid an 0-3 hole. I feel like I've been saying this a lot. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan. SP3, there's always a lot going on. There's some interesting things going on. Nothing's ever perfect, but that's why we're here. We're here to nitpick. We're here to dive into everything in the world of professional wrestling. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Happy Tuesday. We are here to talk about what was a boring, long three hours of Monday Night Raw, in my opinion. Um there was some good stuff on the show, and when there's good wrestling, I can always find some positive things about the show, but the show felt long. Long, it, long, long. It, it felt long for me, um, but that was entirely because I was up pretty much all night and all day with a sick kid, so by the time the third hour rolled around, I passed out in the Lazy Boy. Like, I was I was out. I was done. I missed the ending. I woke up at 7 o'clock this morning, and I, I watched the finish of the show, which I didn't think was bad. I genuinely do think there was some great wrestling. I thought low-key Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai had a banger last night. I thought those two worked incredibly well with one another. Damage control continues to rack up the L's, though, uh, which we will obviously talk about that coming up here soon. Uh, make sure to get your uh, your comments, your questions, anything in you want to talk about. Uh, we'll try to nail it down in the chat here uh, throughout the entirety of the show. What's going on, Queen? We appreciate you finding us on this early start time here at one o'clock on believe in pro wrestling before we dive into everything got to thank our friends over at bet online basketball in full swing now we're getting close to nfl playoffs believe it or not i think we only got six weeks left in the regular season and bet online remains your number one source for all of your sports betting needs this season get the latest odds team information player news game trends all of it's up there and as your continued source for all your wagering information bet online features live betting free contests and giveaways all season long Always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that is the NFL, the NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, golf, even pro wrestling is up there. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Make sure to use our promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. Bet online, 
where the game starts. What is going on, Frantic World? Appreciate you guys uh, hopping on in the chat here. SP3, let's let's start with what we saw coming out of uh, Survivor Series weekend, where the bloodline, once again, reigns supreme. Uh, I'll be honest, this was, this was not an ending that I predicted in our prediction show, but shocker, I was wrong. I typically am. I wrote up an entire article, by the way, for, for SB Nation about what could happen with the women's division this weekend. And literally like none of it happened. Like triple H had like a million options that he could have gone with. And he did nothing with literally any of them, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. The bloodline does reign supreme in what was absolutely fantastic storytelling at the end of this match with Sammy Zayn low blowing Kevin Owens, allowing the bloodline to pick up the win. You get Jay Uso. We get the big blow off, the big payoff to everything between Jay and Sammy. Jay giving Sammy this big ass hug. Everything looks like it's great. Maybe, maybe it is because we still did get a little bit of a, a look from Jay and, and, and Roman toward the end of the match there. Possibly might be something there. Then on Monday Night Raw, we get Kevin Owens saying, I'm done with Sammy. Sammy saying, I'm done with you. Calling bullshit on that one, mostly because we know what the WrestleMania plans are at this point. So now it's how, how does that foundation crack within the bloodline? Does it start at the Royal Rumble? Um, and does what happened at War Games possibly change what happened at the Royal Rumble? Because apparently Roman Reigns was pretty heated after that match. Got his eardrum ruptured a little bit there when KO uh, absolutely smacked the shit out of him. So uh, a lot uh, to dive into on this one here, SP3. Uh, just to talk about the men's war games match. Uh, I think it was a tale of two matches where the first 28 minutes did not matter at all and did not have very memorable action. And then the last 10 minutes were superb. The last 10 minutes was a five-star match. It's just that we had to get through 28 minutes of a two-star match to, to find our way there. So I, I thought that the, the last 10 minutes was spectacular with everything that went down between Kevin Owens and uh, Sami Zayn in, you know, bell to bell, as well as what went down post-match with Jay Uso, with Roman get, hugging Sami first, getting that big reaction, and then even, even nuclear, you know, massive pop for Jay Uso yeah. hugging Sami Zayn and the way they closed the show. It was one of the best endings to a WWE major event of this year. So that, that was how I saw, you know, everything that went down at Survivor Series last night. They made the show. Honestly, the show honestly felt like a post uh, premium live event show because they were there because they opened the show with with them showing them that arriving at the building in the first hour that was commercial free although we got you know plenty of action and wrestling the best segment was Sami Zayn and you know Kevin Owens going back and forth and you know Jay and Sami hugging then the group hug then them trying to get solo into the hug that yeah. was just it's just pure entertainment and the writing is just so on point with Kevin Owens being the self-aware baby that's like yeah i could be i can't really be mad at you because i've betrayed you i stabbed you in the back so many times it's the same I, thing i would have done i love that response by kevin owens and i love him just kind of saying you know you want to be done with it so but although he's done with him he's not done with jay so he's not done with the bloodline then you're really not done with Sammy. So yeah, yeah. So I do get where you're coming from there and that point. But I like this story. I like where it's going through. I like the, you know, the all the reports that we've been hearing about the stuff that's going down. And I think M J and uh KO had 
the best match of the night. They had the match of the night, in my opinion, got plenty of time. Felt like they got the right amount of time because a lot of matches on that show just felt like they should have ended maybe two to three minutes earlier. Even, though, you know, we got long action, but some of these matches, it went past the peak of the match with KO and Jay. I think they hit it perfectly. It was the perfect amount of time and they had a really good matchup. Kevin Owens getting his win back from Survivor Series sets him on the path for what we presume is going to be the Royal Rumble championship matchup with him and Roman Reigns. As far as the Roman getting heated afterwards, man, it's crazy. It's crazy when AEW has, you know, backstage arguments and fights and someone doesn't show up at the press conference. It becomes this big story. But when Roman Reigns does it and he doesn't show up at the press conference for WWE, nobody says a damn thing. I got to <laughs> say it again. Let's keep the same energy. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll happily keep the same energy. I think Roman, if Roman was scheduled for the press conference, he should have gone there. But probably he, he would have I'm not even going to put an if on that. He definitely was scheduled for the press conference because they literally said the winners of war games would be at the presser. And I think they just said, all right, when Roman was too angry afterwards, they was like, just send Sammy Paul out there. They'll be fine. They won't say anything. Well, and so technically WWE did follow through on that with, with Heyman and Sami Zayn being there. Uh, Roman probably should have gone to the press conference, but honestly, I think the press conference would, was probably better with Sami without Roman Reigns there. We saw what Roman did, Reigns did at the last press conference at Clash of the Castle, literally just stood up in the face. That of was board. better. That was better than anything on that press conference for Survivor Series. That, that, that one moment alone. Yeah, because you're not going to get real, like, captivating answers and not really captivating questions at a WWE uh, press conference in that form. So I understand that. And I think the questions that were asked were, were very well thought out for the most part. But you're not going to get those, like, hard-hitting questions like Nick House asking Tony oh, Khan, yeah, Nick, why Nick, you ain't do nothing when, when CM Punk? So you're not going to – you don't get that. You don't get that at all. With, you would if Nick Houseman was there. You would if Nick Hausman was there. He absolutely 100% would ask those questions, uh, which is going to be interesting to see because I've been at WWE events with Nick Hausman before. So now that they do these post scrums, uh, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do when they call on Nick, what, what Nick says when he calls on because you always count on Nick Hausman to ask something juicy. Um, but I do like WWE doing these. As far as Roman Reigns getting heated, look, I'm not going to look past, I'm not going to look much past this. Because, like, honestly, I've been, I can, this is the one time in my entire life I can say I've been in Roman Reigns' shoes. Because I remember when I was training, uh, I was going over, honestly, my first match. I was going over step by step everything that my first match was going to be in. And the guy that I was wrestling during practice, right? We ain't talking about the performance, we talk about practice. We get to the part in the match where we're supposed to be dog-ass tired after like seven minutes. So we're supposed to be dog-ass tired and we're trading shots and he's getting all pissed off of the forearms and he's supposed to haul off and smack me across the damn face, right? In practice, this some bitch hits me as fucking hard as he can. And I just got complete and total white fucking noise in my ears. I'm like, what just happened? I have never felt this sensation before. Could not hear a thing. Kept going with practice because you can't stop in the middle of a match, right? You just got to keep going. So I finished the rest of the damn match where I literally could not hear anything. I was pissed off, all right? 
After about 10 minutes, though, I was cool. My hearing kind of came back and everything was fine. So I can understand where Roman is like, motherfucker, you know, in the heat of the moment, smack the shit out of me, rupture my eardrum. I couldn't hear. Probably going to be pissed off a little bit. I get that. But as far as like anybody speculating whether or not that this is going to hinder any plans between Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens for, for Royal Rumble, I highly doubt that. You even had Meltzer say, hey, look, it was a 20-minute thing, and then it was over. It was done. Shit happens in the heat of the moment. People have a right to get pissed off about it, and then they're going to squash it. That was it. I, I'm not... I don't think this was even close to the grand scheme of things of what happened at uh, at All Out, but we'll keep up the same energy here on the show. We'll bring it up. We'll talk about it. Roman Reigns should have. Been being sarcastic. I don't know. I, don't. <laughs> I wasn't very we'll serious. Relax, relax. No, but uh, I think I think that uh, the Bloodline storyline is really like the best thing going in wrestling today so i i sure. like i like the kind of the mapping out that uh wrestlingnews.co kind of reported for what we're going to see on the road to wrestlemania 39 yeah i i hadn't really seen all of that i know that you know as far as the rumble's concerned it starts with kevin owens i know the direction the usos are going for for wrestlemania reportedly but as far as in the middle i i haven't seen anything about what was laid out well, WrestlingNews.co reported that uh, Roman Reigns will is uh, lined up, and Wrestling Observer confirmed as well that Roman Reigns is lined up to face Kevin Owens at the Royal Rumble this year. They then further reported that uh, then it would the plan is for Sami Zayn to verse Roman Reigns in Montreal at Elimination Chamber in February, and then from there that's going to lead to Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens versus the Usos for the tag team titles at WrestleMania. Ooh, well, that 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 further completes the, my theory that I have rolling in my head for what's going to go down at the Royal Rumble, which we will talk about once we get into uh, the five count. Uh, Frantic World saying Roman should have shown up on Raw and slapped the hell out of Kevin Owens. Um, eh. Roman, <laughs> Roman can do what he wants at, at this point uh, in, in time in his uh, professional career. One person who did show up on Monday Night Raw last night. Uh, was the man Becky Lynch? She uh, opened up the show in what was a commercial-free hour number one. So obviously, they just basically told uh, Becky and uh, Bailey to go out there and fill as much time as you want. Uh, and and Becky, Becky looked like she was having a ton of fun last night, except for when she decided to talk to Zachary, and then Zachary got a little too uh, handsy, and she backed the fuck way up right there. Zachary, no, 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 no. And by the way, nobody else did what Zachary did last night. Um, but regardless, she was having fun with Bobby. We had a Bobby chant going. The crowd was all about babyface Becky Lynch being back. And there was just a, a certain energy and a certain presence and star power that was brought to the opening of this show last night. That has been missing for, for the last four months. And look, SP3, you and I talked about this ad, nause, ad nauseum during her heel run. I appreciated the work that she was doing. I loved the work that she was doing as a heel. I think she did some of her best in-ring and actual character work as a heel. But you see what the crowd reaction was for her on SmackDown at Survivor Series, where she picked up the win, which we'll, we'll talk about. And then last night on Raw, it's like everything with the last year, however many times she told the audience to go screw themselves, completely out the door everybody loves becky lynch again they're happy that she's back and it's like you look at these crowd reactions and the response and the energy and the star power and everything that she brings to the show as a baby face and you just sit there and wonder 
Why Vince McMahon actively decided to squash that and just say, no, this, we need to go in the complete opposite direction. This is something we hadn't seen since what? May of 2020. It's been two and a half years since we've seen this Becky Lynch on TV and the fans were ready for it. And more importantly, they were ready for what followed, which was the start of the actual Bailey Becky Lynch feud that fans have been wanting for for a while. So Becky Lynch fans getting everything they want for Christmas this year. Yeah, she's returned. She had the the big return on SmackDown. She had the big win at Survivor Series War Games. And, you know, starting off, you know, a Bailey feud, kind of the only four horsemen feud that we really haven't uh, seen. Both women are good on the mic. So I thought they were, you know, good in the exchange. Becky was a lot of fun in the crowd, just having a great time. Bobby was over as hell. Zachary, <laughs> Zachariah, I knew he was drunk from the moment Becky asked him his name. And it took him a slight second to remember his name was Zachariah. I was like, oh, he is done. He is finished. He is finished. Get away from him, Becky. And she did real quick. She listened. He tried tried to put his arm around her and this, that, and the other. She was like, oh, no, 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 no. We we ain't playing that game. I'll go back to hang out with Bobby. I like the, the different, you know, camera view because it wasn't your typical, you know, face-to-face promo exchange. You had Becky in the crowd. You had uh, Bailey in the in the ring, and it's got a little bit different because it's usually like the heel far away from the baby face. So then it led to the brawl in the in the you know in the crowd into the corridor into the merchandise stand. That was unique and a fun way to start the show. But I'm just, I'm just going to say, like, that. that's what I'm going to say. Okay, here comes the time where SP3 says all the good things about what Triple H did and then how Triple H fumbled the ball again <laughs> at the one-yard line. Why is Becky winning a three-on-one brawl against damage control? Yeah. This, with, with beating them with paper signs, plastic belts, and a plastic chain. This, yo, it's like, this group is done. <laughs> and, like... Everything I liked about this segment is ruined because it's them. It's them. Like it's it's basically Becky Lynch just biding her time before she gets into a real feud. It's a real threat to her because damage control three on one, one on one, two on one. They can get the freaking thirty seven uh, street army, and it does not matter if it's damage L. If it's damage L against Becky Lynch, they're going to take some more L's, and they did that here. Then later, Candice and Dakota, I won't go as far as to say it was a banger because I'm probably not going to remember in three weeks. It was a good match, though. Good match. Candice LeRae getting a good win. But once again, Dakota Kai, damage control, takes another L. It's like, ah, uh, just like, just move. Let's just and, move. And, and look, and that's, and that's what Triple H kind of needs to understand here is in, in his regime, we are going to expect wins and losses to matter, right? Like that's, we got used to that with Vince where it's like wins and losses don't fucking matter in Vince McMahon's world. Wins and losses should matter in Triple H's world moving forward. And Becky, who is sometimes brutally honest in her promo, she'll just come out and say the thing that everybody's thinking. She told Bailey directly to her face last night, why no one gives a shit. I was like, I was like, Becky Lynch, watch my review of Survivor Series because I called, I literally called Bailey a big fat loser. I said all the damage control are big fat losers, and that's not how you book a group to get over. Yeah, precisely, and that that was the thing is like, look, Bailey, you can sit here and talk about the bangers that you had with Bianca, this, that, and the other thing. You lost. 
You lost every single one of them. When was the only time that Bailey went over at Clash of the Castle? Like that was it? And a non-title match on Raw because Nikki helped her. Nikki. Yeah, exactly. So when any time outside of two women's tag team title matches, well, the second one being they got help from, once again, Nikki Cross, outside of two women's tag team title matches, like, they, they have nothing. They, they have no resume building wins. Like, I feel like we're sitting here breaking down, like, should they belong in the NCAA basketball tournament right now? There's no resume building wins for this team right now. And they're going into now uh, a feud with Becky Lynch. You couldn't get over on Bianca. Are we expecting Bailey to get over in this feud with, with Becky Lynch? Like I was legit expecting again, a number of different avenues that they could have gone with, with the women's division coming out of survivor series. I'm actively sitting here expecting like, okay, you can give Rhea a, a big win and still give damage control the win here. Yes. I know Becky's there. You could have done something, literally anything with Alexa bliss to trigger this. And frankly, I overlooked the most obvious answer, which is you have team superpower. You have Bianca Belair who ain't losing. And now you got babyface Becky who ain't losing. Of course they were going to win that damn match. Of course. Yeah. They were I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I even, why I listen to y'all. I, I blame y'all. I did it on ICR clips. I'm going to do it here. I I keep the same energy. I blame all y'all that told me. Why are you so dramatic? She just lost a ladder match. She'll gonna, she's gonna eventually win the title. And then when she loses another title match, y'all were like, oh no, you know, damage control. At least they're gonna win the first ever Roar Games on the main roster. And then what happened? They lost again. And your tag team champion. I heard another excuse. Oh, you know, maybe Billy's at this stage of her career. She really just wants to focus on the tag team. And that's why damage control was made. It's for the tag team division. And then the tag team divisions got stacked and pinned to end that match. At the end of the women's war games, no matter how much I was like entertained by a bunch of the spots, and I I thought the action in the women's war games was actually better than the action in the men's war games. It was a lot more athletic than the men's war games. That's for damn sure. I, I had parts that I liked about it. Overall, after Becky won and the team Belair was just standing there, I was like, what was the point of this? What was yeah. the point of this? That, that's, like, that's, like that's, at least that's, the men's war games, you have a group and you have all these babies teaming up against the group. That's literally what war games was made for with the four horsemen against team dusty back in 1987. That makes sense with the women's. It's just a whole bunch of women just teaming up together. No real association, no real story. There's not these interweaving like stories that was going on in the men's war games that made it lesser than. Yeah, no, it, it literally came down to, Bianca and damage control and then okay let's fill out the rest of the field the only thing that made sense the only thing that we got close to storyline and was one of the things that I loved was at the finish of the match where once again we mirrored how this all got started SummerSlam Becky Bianca squaring off against damage control we got that same exact visual inside of war games I was just expecting a different finish three on two get, let, get let's get damage control a win that they desperately desperately needed if you Seriously, they could have pinned anybody, anybody in that match. Didn't have to be Bianca. Didn't have to be Becky. Could have pinned anybody in that match and damage control could have won. Rhea Ripley could have pinned Mia Yim just like she did last night. I'm not sitting here talking about today how Mia Yim got buried. I thought Mia Yim got 
looked incredible last night. I thought last night was a great show in for Rhea. I thought Mia looked great. I thought Dakota looked great last night, even though she took the loss. And I thought Candice looked great last night. There's a lot to like about what they did with the women's division and the action and everything. And I'm happy that they're all there. I'd like to see some more storyline progression moving out of this. Let's get Judgment Day and, uh, and, and the OC away from each other now. I don't need Michael Cole or whoever was on commentary last night. I don't need Corey Graves sitting here saying it looks like things are just getting started. I'm like, no, Survivor Series is the blow off, the blow off. Let's go. Let's move away from that. Let's move away from that. That's it. That eight man tag, by the way, is what we should have gotten at Survivor Series last night. I'm sitting here like, we're just going to book this match when it should have been a Survivor Series. What are we doing? If Candace was ready to go last night, why wasn't she ready to go in war games? That would have made more sense than, than Mia. A lot of head scratchers as far as this is concerned. Uh, Queen saying, I'm so excited for Becky Bailey. I love Becky, but I hope Bailey wins because she desperately needs it. Look, Becky's winning this. Becky is, is stone cold coming out on top of this because Becky actually has big plans heading into WrestleMania. I don't know what. Uh, they're, they're A-Shock saying, look, Becky has to be credible to dethrone Ronda. I don't know if Becky's going to beat Ronda, but that definitely... She seems- doesn't need to win war games, though. She yeah. can win this feud with Bailey and beat them three-on-one. She looks very Bailey, credible then. Bailey needed to come out on top against Bianca. Like, at this, at this point, Becky beating Bailey is status quo. Like, Bailey just has come back to lose. Now, granted, I know where ba- thinking outside the realm of kayfabe. I know where Bailey is in her career right now. Bailey is at that point where, hey, I want to help get others over. I'm playing a heel role. I understand that, but to help Dakota and EO get over for people to care about them, because I thought to kill Dakota and EO had great showings inside of War Games. That's the kind of showing that they needed to help with the mainstream audience, kind of be like, hey, these these two can actually go, but to help them out. She needs to pick up some damn wins, too, because if this group doesn't win, no one's going to give a crap about them. Nobody's going to care. They need to start winning. They need to start winning. And they need to start adding some women's tag team divisions to this damn division. So damage control has somebody to defend the belts against. Plain and simple. We'll dive back into uh, war games coming up here in just a little bit. But we did get some news today from Renee Paquette's The Sessions podcast here sp3 apparently plans were in the works for cm punk to dive right into a program a hand-picked program by cm punk with stokely hathaway and the firm how do we know about this well stokely hathaway was the guest on renee paquette's the sessions today and uh, basically said hey look punk hand-picked me he wanted to do this program with me this was the direction coming out of all out um the fact that we didn't get these promo exchanges uh yeah it makes me a little sad. I'm not going to lie. This 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 would have been pretty good. Well, I don't necessarily think he said post all out. I think that basically what CM Punk was going to be was John Moxley in the MJF feud. MJF and, jo- and CM Punk at full gear was the direction. We saw that at the end of all out. But, of course, MJF was associated with the firm. So 
I think that we would have seen the the firm and MJF association kind of develop a little bit more if there was a feud between Punk and MJF following All Out 2022. But instead, he led into the whole John Moxley thing, which led into the MJF William Regal exchange. And after that exchange, everybody was like, "Oh, there's so many different things you can go with." And I think that's when Tony Khan came up with the idea for the finish and to put MJF with William Regal, which kind of finish finish Daniel snap the whole firm association and we got what we got as far as kind of a a a breakup without them even really being associated with each other so yeah we uh what 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 i think that stokely really revealed was that cm punk ruined the push for the firm yeah i mean look the one thing that stokely said verbatim was this was the whole point of the firm being put together and now it's not there anymore. So now Tony Khan has been left to go, well, what are we doing with these boys? And yeah. Yeah. So you put Ethan page in the title eliminator. So that gave him a, a couple of weeks to go there, but then you had Ricky Starks go over. So, okay. Even though the story you could have gone with is if there was a falling out between MJF and the firm, I'm happy Ricky Starks won the title eliminator. But the story was right there to go with, with Ethan Page and MJF. But you don't want to do heel versus heel in that situation, yeah. so you put Ricky Starks over, which I'm I'm really looking forward to. It sucks that Starks is going to lose that match. But the fact that we're going to get Ricky versus MJF in the ring and on the microphone, I'm very excited about as well. Yeah, that's, he's the perfect person to first MJF right now because if MJF is getting these big cheers, these big, massive, baby-faced reactions, but he's still going to be the top heel, which he needs to be be because AEW does not have a real you know backlog of guys that can fill that spot as the top heel other than Chris Jericho where I think it's kind of stale at that point as him as the top heel of the company it needs to be MJF at this point they have way more uh, options as top baby faces with Moxley uh, Brian Hangman Kenny like the list goes on and on for top baby faces but they don't have that as the top heel so he's needed in that position you need need a baby face who's not only over with the fans but can keep up with MJF on the mic because if they can't keep up with MJF on the mic that he's going to get the cheers they're going to get the booze and you don't want a situation like what you got with Wheelie Yuta in October or with Moxley at full gear so I think Ricky Starks is the best option and I think he is going to get the fans on his side on the way to winter is coming Oh, absolutely. 100% about that. A uh, lot to dive into with what's going to be going down uh, tomorrow on Dynamite. Obviously, the first time we're going to hear uh, from MJF, we got the the, the Death Triangle and the Elite. Um, we're <laughs> Tony Khan with, with an early Christmas gift giving us Brian Danielson and, and Dax uh, on the show tomorrow night. A lot to dive into there, and we'll get there, but let's dive into this first, shall we? It's time to answer the five count on the Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate everybody who is uh, tuning in, by the way. Make sure to give us that thumbs up there. If you haven't subscribed yet, if you're enjoying the show, make sure to go ahead and hammer that subscribe button. We're over 500 now. We are making the climb every day to 1,000 and monetization. Thank you guys so much uh, for the support. Uh, still going to be working on a couple of special things right now. I got some requests, some feelers out there. Try to get some more interviews before the end of the year. You can always check out my conversation with Mia Yim, uh, which is up there uh, right now. Mia Yim, I was I was hoping to see a little bit more out of her 
uh, at War Games, even though I think she did have a good showing last night. Had that brutal spot where she got slammed, snapped in between uh, the ladders, because if there's one thing you can uh, count on Mia Yim to do, it's to break a ladder in half when she's <laughs> an extreme, <laughs> extreme rules type situation. Uh, regardless, SP3, um, I did like the the War Games format. I know that there are some fans out there who kind of wanted to see War Games go a little further, live up to the name War Games. And I think if you compare War Games to Blood and Guts, which a lot of people are going to do, one went to the nth degree, one made sure to stick with somewhere in that that PG PG-13 type range. I'd like to see them go a little bit further. But regardless, I think... Survivor Series, War Games, I think that's a marriage that kind of works. Do you think that they should make that a permanent marriage moving forward for Survivor Series? Triple H was asked about this. He was noncommittal. No, they shouldn't. They shouldn't because I'll, I'll be honest, WWE War Games suck. It sucks in comparison to the original War Games. It sucks in comparison to AEW Blood and Guts. It's just not the same. It's just, it's just, it's basically just a WWE no disqualification match in a cool bigger cage. That's all it really is. Some one will have spots and associations and teams that don't really make too much sense, and the other will probably be story driven with a team that is over and a group that is over against a team of thrown together baby faces who didn't get much out of it at all. So, like, I, I mean. Yeah, as far as the action, yeah, it delivered. And it was great for this year. But I like the fact that Triple H said, I don't want to commit to making that every year because then every year at this point, he has to come up with a story to make sure that it's in war games. And I don't want him to do that. And that will get Survivor Series further away from Survivor Series elimination matches because as Triple H said in the press conference, he doesn't want to mix the two. So yeah. I'd rather them the match than do it a permanent picture. Yeah, I, I think this was a good introduction for War Games onto the main roster for those fans who either don't watch NXT or are, are kind of the younger audience, haven't seen some of the older WCW, you know, War Games type matches. So I, I think this was a good introduction, but War Games I consider like Hell in a Cell. And this is what Triple H talked about in his in his post-media scrum for Survivor Series. If you didn't see it, it's like, look, this this shouldn't be used as a a prop. This should be used as a hey. We, we, we have exhausted all options between two opponents. We have reached a boiling point. Let's go inside hell in a cell and, and end this fucking thing. Same thing with, with war games. If you have two factions that are feuding with one another, it seems to be a, a pot, spot where you use it in a storyline-driven standpoint. I think this is a good spot to introduce it. I am curious, what do you think that WWE could do? Because you know sponsorships and things of that nature, the PG, they're not going to go to like straight, predator where we're hanging a, a dude who is bleeding out of every corner of his face upside down on a cage they're not going to go that route is there do you think they could go just a little bit further to to make these these matches better and actually fit the the war games name there uh one one improvement that doesn't i know people are going to be blood and blood wwe's not going to do that so yes. the one way you can do this is Cut down the in-between intervals. It used to be two-minute intervals between entrants. They now have three minutes, and that is very long. It's long. It's very long. And stop 
trying to reinvent the wheel the past two years with WWE War Games. They try to reinvent the wheel and have the baby faces have the advantage. And before anyone comments stupidly without researching this and say, oh, War Games, they always have the heels as the advantage. You want to do something different. One, that's not true. Baby faces have had the advantage in the War Games multiple times. And two, every single time, it fucking sucks. <laughs> and three, if 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 the baby faces on Team Brawl and Brutes got any bit of a freaking reaction on Saturday, I would have been up here and say I was wrong for how I reacted after the baby faces won the advantage match on SmackDown with Rick and Dutch. Before I was not wrong, and all those baby faces, what the could someone tell me in the comments in the live chat? If you're watching on the man in the comments or Rick himself. What did Drew McIntyre actually do in the match? I don't actually, know. Actually, outside of a brief stare down with Solo Sikoa, what did Drew McIntyre I, do in the match? I don't remember anything that Drew did. You remember how over Drew McIntyre was going into Clash at the Castle? What happened? Speaking of Clash at the Castle, you know who was hot coming out of Clash at the Castle? Sheamus. What did Sheamus do in war games outside of five other four other people doing his move with him? Yeah, that that's really the only spot that I really remember. Honestly. That's it. But that's two of your most over baby faces, and they didn't do jack shit in this entire 40-minute match. They felt like afterthoughts in this match, the way that it was produced and the way that it was booked. It, it was like the only people that mattered in this match were Jay. Jimmy, KO, and Roman. Yeah. I don't remember much of what Solo did. I don't remember a whole lot about what Jimmy did. I'm like, I need, I do need to go back and watch it again, to be fair. I've, I've watched it twice, Rick. I'm telling you, after two viewings <laughs> of this match, I don't know what this man did. I There's was just not enough things to keep me interested. I literally can describe both war games in about two sentences. I can describe the. You want to hear the description for the men's war game? Jay started out. Roman stopped Jimmy from going in after Jay. He sent Sammy in. They don't get along. Nothing happens for 20 minutes. Roman comes. Then it gets interesting. Sammy and KO. Sammy stopped KO from getting a pin on Roman. Turned on, turned on KO with a low blow. Won the match for his team. Gave it to Jay. That's it. That's all that happened. Now, blood and guts, blood and guts this year. I remember Eddie Kingston came in, hit everybody with a stick like a badass. I remember uh, Cool Hand getting getting bloody and hung out outside the cage. I remember Moxley's theory for war games was to bring out all his deathmatch tools. I remember Santana getting injured. I remember Claudio coming in and beating the hell out of everybody that would come in. He stared down with Jake Hager and the whole fans chanting, oh, you know, real Americans. Him swinging Chris Jericho on the top of the cage. Eddie tossing Sammy off the top of the cage. The ending with Claudio stealing the win from Ed. You see how many interesting things happen in that blood and guts in comparison to this men's war games where really it's all about the final 10 minutes. That yeah. was all throughout the match. That's what I want. I just want them to book interesting things for the entire match and not just care about a small, the last half of the match because nothing mattered for 28 minutes while Roman Reigns got the easiest payday of anyone sat in the cage came into the match, and then you can pay attention because then it matters. And then Roman didn't even get the win. It was it was Jay who got the win at the end. But, again, 
Jay and Sammy, they were the ones that that really kind of kind of mattered the most in this because this was the payoff for their story. That's what that was. Um, I was disappointed because when when the baby faces got the the advantage, my immediate thought was, oh, okay. Well, that means Roman is going to come in to the match last, and he's going to be a total freaking assassin, and he's just going to. And you start- didn't even get that. I didn't get it. I didn't get it. He walked to the ring. He picked up the other four dudes on his team. They stared at each other. We got the eagle eye view, and then everybody started brawling. And I'm just like, damn. That, seriously? That's, was, that's, that was the best y'all came up with on that? There was literally two things that I heard people say when the baby faces got the advantage that would make it better. And one was that, oh, at least Robin gets to come in and destroy everybody. That didn't happen. And two, the better idea was from Pete Quinnell on WrestleTalk. He said the only way this would work is if Sammy started the match because he's the babyface on the heel team. So he should start the match so the disadvantage was against Sammy. And I was like, yeah, that makes a whole bunch of sense. And these dumbasses sent Jay Uso to the ring. And, and I know anybody going to say, oh, you wouldn't have the point where, where Roman sends Sammy in instead of Jimmy. You just stop Jimmy and you send Jay in. That's yeah, the only difference. You reverse it. You literally can do the same thing. Yeah. Yep. I like the storytelling at the end. But yeah, there's there's a lot of things that they could have done very, very differently uh, in these matches. Uh, SP3, if uh, one of the matches that was on the card for Survivor Series was one that um, it intrigued me, but it intrigued me for all of the wrong reasons. Because I, I look at this match and I'm going... Okay, this one does not match the other four that are on the card. This is one that had very, very little build. This is one that had very, very little investment as far as the the fan interest in this was. And that was basically because of who was in the match. WWE booked Ronda Rousey to defend the SmackDown Women's Championship against Shotzi. Even though Shotzi had won all of two singles matches all year long, was in a lengthy losing streak, had just turned babyface, by the way, so the crowd really isn't all that behind her at the moment right now, and they decided to book this match, and I'm sitting here and I'm going, okay, something else has to be in the works here. Like, this literally just can't be we're out of fucking options. And unfortunately, that's exactly what it ended up being. There was no Charlotte returning. There was no Sasha Banks returning. There was and Sasha was always going to be a pipe dream at this point. I, th- I know everybody looked at, oh, Survivor Series is in Boston. That means we're getting Sasha. No, that was always going to be a pipe dream. If we get Sasha back anytime soon, it's probably going to be at the Royal Rumble. But regardless, um, Ronda beats Shotzi in a very forgettable match. There were parts of it that were good. The, the 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 failed tornado DDT on the outside really kind of took me out of it. Ronda ends up getting the win. You knew that was going to happen. There was never one point in this match where I'm going, oh, shit, maybe, maybe Shotzi could win this thing. Nope. And then I'm like, okay, match is over. Now what? Commercial break, promo, move on to the next thing. And I'm like, damn, okay, what on God's green earth are we doing? And we sat here and we argued and we argued and we argued. And granted, it was an argument that you won because I, I I didn't have much of an answer. But you argued that Ronda Rousey winning the SmackDown Women's Championship was the right thing because you could carry it all the way through the Royal Rumble season. They are already out of people. They are out of people, SP3. They blew, they shot their wad with Emma on her first night. They literally just wrote off Raquel Rodriguez for 
months because you tell her now that she's got a broken arm and a dislocated elbow. Okay, I don't want to see her wrestling two weeks from now. She, so she's off. She's done. She's out of TV. You beat the hell out of Shotzi. We've done Liv Morgan to death now. That's your top baby face. And she's best friends with Shayna Baszler. Sorry, wrong question. What the hell do we do to spice up this SmackDown women's tag, this women's division right now? Because Ronda Rousey has nobody left at this point to fight. And the Royal Rumble is two months away. Where? What do we do? Where do we go from here? First of all, I don't like the line of questioning because this question really has nothing to do with Ronda Rousey and has everything to do with the guy that no WWE fan seems to want to blame, Triple H. Triple H has been dealing with all these quote-unquote issues of the Vince McMahon regime. You know, Austin Derry shouldn't have the Money in the Bank briefcase, so I got to get that off of him. In the worst Money in the Bank cash-in of all time. Liv Morgan is a uh, SmackDown, you know, woman's champion. I can't, I can't have that. So he books that horrible finish at SummerSlam and worse and worse is the situation of Liv Morgan being the Smack. Because mind you, if you go back to that argument, I mentioned it wasn't Vince that ruined Liv. It was Triple H. So that's why he ruined her so bad. You had to cut bait and put it on the biggest star on, in the in the room because you don't have stars on this SmackDown Women's Division. He's bringing back all these people, but he's not addressed one of the biggest issues that has been an issue for this company for the past year is that the SmackDown Women's Division sucked. It sucks. It's not good. The bottom of the barrel of women's. Look at all 10 women in that women's war games. They're all on one show. That's one show. And the, the woman's champion on the other show is stuck with Shotzi. She's Ronda Rousey is not great in the ring, but she can be great with the right opponent. It doesn't even have to be a great wrestler. I've seen this woman have a great match with Nia freaking Jax. It just needs to be someone who can realistically beat her up. Liv Morgan, Shotzi, ain't that. And they have to have interesting stuff to beat her up. Natalia ain't that. And you guess what those three opponents represent? 80% of Ronda Rousey's opponents on premium live events this year. It's not Ronda's fault. It's Triple H. I'm not sitting what here can saying he it's do? Fault. What can he do to spice it up? I don't know. Maybe put some of those 10 women who are all considered pretty over. Put damage control on SmackDown at this point. Put them on SmackDown at this point. You already killed them dead on Raw. Put them on SmackDown. At least that puts some talent on this damn show that I actually want to see. Because I'm not going out of my way to see a Shotzi versus Sonya Deville match. Or, or a Liv Morgan versus Raquel Rodriguez match. Those are not matches that tickle my juices. No. And and Charlotte Flair's return ain't the answer either. I'm just no, letting you know that. You know that's what the answer is going to be. You know that's what's going to happen. You know you can write it down in pen. Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Royal Rumble. You know that's what's going to happen. You know that's going to end up being the match. Those are her next two big matches. Charlotte Flair at the Royal Rumble, Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. You know that's exactly what's going to happen. But we got two damn months. Two damn months 
ahead of the Royal Rumble. And look, if and when Charlotte comes back, great, cool, awesome. She adds a lot to she adds a lot of what they're missing on the SmackDown women's division right now. But Charlotte versus Ronda Rousey, at this point in the game, after what we saw between those two earlier this year, is not gonna get people excited. Especially when you're gonna do heel versus heel. Are you telling me you're going to do babyface Charlotte? Because that don't work. People love to hate this woman. They don't love to love this woman. They want to hate her. They want to hate Rhonda. So that ain't an answer either. So for me, I'm going to go back to, I feel like a broken record at this point because I keep saying you got to do something with this woman and then they continue to do nothing with this woman. What the fuck is Alexa Bliss doing? Like at this point, what is Alexa Bliss doing? They're building her story. They keep doing the the little Wyatt logo pop-ups. I think she's going to be the woman that faces Bianca Belair or, or at the Royal Rumble. So they are starting her story, and they're making it a little bit more clear with commentary banging it up. But A-Shock brings up a great update. There's plenty of women on NXT that are are pretty much devoid of any interesting things to do. Abelfire just uh, started a feud with I, I, uh, I, uh, Isla Dawn, so so at least she has something to do for the next couple of weeks. But I would pit Roxanne Perez on this show at this yeah. point, Indy on the show at this point. I toss a uh, Candice LeRae ass over here over on SmackDown yeah. as well because there's really no room for her on the Raw brand. Like there's so like Oscar's a good suggestion as well. Ace uh, Oscar, she ain't doing nothing on Raw. Put her on SmackDown. Like they it's so easy what he needs to do. And like I feel like I'm one of the few people that holds this man accountable. It's Paul's fault. He had one big issue, and he's dealing with all these small issues. Austin Theory should still have the money in the bank briefcase. Why are you dealing with that? Let's dive in. I would still, just just real quick, because one thing that I'm sitting here and I'm looking at women's war games and I'm going, okay, maybe they maybe this is where they turn Alexa Bliss heel, really kind of fire this stuff up. Then we get another tease with Bray, and then it kind of hit me last night. I'm like, if they're going to put Alexa... Back in the Bray Wyatt world, Alexa Bliss doesn't turn heel in that situation because Bray Wyatt's a babyface right now. So maybe they could put her back in Bray Wyatt's world like she's wanted to do, keep her a babyface, and then work her in with Ronda Rousey over on SmackDown. You can put them together. I think that's a move that makes a ton of sense. But they're slow playing it, much like they're doing with everything that they're doing with Bray Wyatt right now. They're absolutely slow playing it. So we'll see what happens with the uh, with Ronda Rousey and the rest of that women's division this Friday. On SmackDown, you brought up Austin Theory. He did win the United States Championship this weekend after his failed cash-in attempt, which almost made all of that even more pointless somehow. But regardless, he's the United States Champion. He's the man on Raw. The way that they have presented him since the Money in the Bank cash-in has been working for him. But I'm sitting here and I'm looking, did you really just put the United States Championship on Seth Rollins just to take it off of him 47 days later and then put this man in lace in fucking lace. God damn. That's a, that's a confident man to walk out there and, and freaking see through lace and boxer shorts on Monday night raw last night in front of one point, however many people were watching this last night and then try to tough talk Austin theory. SP three, where do they go with Seth Rollins from this point? Cause I don't, 
I hope they're not going to sit here and play hot potato back and forth with the United States Championship. Triple H has decided to put it on on Austin Theory. That's great. You got a million other options you can do with with Austin Theory at this point. Put him in a feud with Montez Ford. Put him in a feud with Mustafa Ali. Put him in a feud with Bobby Lashley. There are other dudes that you can do and work with Austin Theory. Where does Seth Rollins go from this point? All those people you said, except for Bobby Lashley, would reverse what they've been trying to do with the United States Championship. They're trying to present the United States Championship as the top title on Monday Night Raw, so they need the top guys to go after it. Bobby Lashley is not a good suggestion because he's already feuded with Austin Theory, and they ha- I have no faith in them to book Theory strong against Bobby Lashley, and Bobby Lashley is also on his way to Brock another match with Brock Lesnar, so he can't take a loss. So really, Theory's only option is Seth. Seth is Teflon at this point. Seth can feud with with Theory until the Raw Rumble and eventually lose a you know a big match or lose a big match on TV and lose one or two and it'll still be fine and it'll still be over. So I think that's what Seth is in store for up until the Raw Rumble. I think at the Raw Rumble we'll get a real sense of where he's going for WrestleMania, whether that's against Cody again upon his return since he's viewed as the guy as taking him out, but. As far as like Seth in one of the top two, top three programs at WrestleMania, I don't see it right now. Uh, Queen saying, I hope Seth losing means he's going to become the world champion because he did bring up Cody again last week. Look, yeah, him bringing up Cody, kind of odd. Uh, SP3, this is something that you brought up. Like if he's tweening more towards babyface, it was kind of a heelish move to bring up Cody Rhodes once again and what you did to a, a top level babyface. Look, we all know Cody Rhodes is is ahead in the horizon for Seth Rollins. I Look, you could sign me up for Cody winning the Royal Rumble, eliminating Seth Rollins to do it, and that being the blow-off of whatever the fuck that they're going to do because I don't need to see Cody Seth Rollins for at this point. Damn sure don't need to see it at WrestleMania at this point. The Royal Rumble, though, is is interesting in the fact that we're two months away. I have a rough idea of who could win. The women's Royal Rumble, I think there's at least two or three legit contenders right now. No idea who's going to win the men's Royal Rumble unless it's The Rock because that's the guy who reportedly is facing Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Regardless, though, there is one thing that I think is going to go down now at the Royal Rumble, and I really can't I can't wait for this to, to happen. And I, I'm going to ask you for a, a way too early prediction for the Royal Rumble, even though we're two, two months out, because I want to go back to this bloodline story. I want to go back to what to what Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens did last night because I think Sami Zayn told you what's going to happen with his facial expression and his eyes and his delivery last night. When Kevin Owens came out and said, I'm done with you. I don't want to travel with you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to tag with you. I don't want to fight you anymore. I'm done. You could see the look, the selling on Sami Zayn's face. That cut that man deep that hurt him and then Sami Zayn was like yeah well all right man I'm cool too like everything's I got family now man I'm Vin Diesel it's all about family up in this bitch everything is fine I don't need you anymore you could tell that's what really really hurt him and everything's going to be hunky-dory till Royal Rumble shows up when it's Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and then we're going to get that that return of the Jedi moment, right? 
You're going to have Roman Reigns. You're going to have the rest of the bloodline. They are going to have Kevin Owens squeezed, bruised, beaten, broken, possibly bleeding. If it is bleeding, it's going to be accidental. But you're going to have this man down and out, and they are going to ask Sammy to put the final nail in his coffin, and Sammy is not going to be able to do it. And that is when he goes from Darth Vader back to being Anakin Skywalker and sets and turns on the bloodline at that point. Finally, finally takes Kevin Owens' advice and turns on the entire bloodline to save his former friend at the Royal Rumble. That is my early, early prediction for this year's Royal Rumble. I could definitely uh, see that, and that's an interesting way to go at that fits with you know his character. My prediction for the Royal Rumble: I think Rhea Ripley is going to win the Women's Royal Rumble. If it's not Rhea Ripley, it will be one of three people, the four horse women that Triple H actually cares about: Charlotte, Becky, or if she returns, Charlotte, uh, Sasha Banks. Those are the three horse women he cares about, obviously, from his booking. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, one of those four is going to win the Women's Royal Rumble as well as the Men's Royal Rumble. I think this is my way too early prediction. And I know you're not going to have people that deny it. But ask yourself, did they do the same thing to the King of the Ring? They did. Did they do the same thing to the money in the bank? They did. So I have my prediction. It is combining three and four together. My prediction is that Seth Rollins will win back the United States Championship from Austin Theory, and Cody Rhodes will win the Royal Rumble for a shot at the U.S. title at WrestleMania. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I'll be be here when in, in February 1st, 2023 you want to go back to this video and say where did i hear them think of this first you're gonna be like damn that damn sb3 that damn negro novice i damn it should never listen to him you're welcome i'm i'm trying to think what's what would be a worse way to treat the royal rumble doing what vince did with brock lesnar this year or having cody rhodes win the royal rumble to challenge a guy he's already beaten three times for the United States Championship when his only goal in life is to win the WWE title. I think what you just said is the worst thing I've ever heard, and the thing that scares me is I could see it happening. They have got to find a way to split these belts. They have got to find a way to split these belts. Roman Reigns can be the undisputed universal champion from now until the end of time for all I care, but let's find a freaking way to get the WWE championship off of this. A-Shock saying, so SP3 is in full chaos mode. His Lakers are going bad to mess with his mom. <laughs> hey, look, man, you got to have fun. You got to have fun some way, somehow. Uh, Bray Wyatt, possibility for the Royal Rumble. I don't Maybe, possibly, I think there's definitely a story to tell with him and Roman Reigns. There are reports that WWE wants to do that at some point. You got time. That's that's the beauty of this. Because here's your big spoiler alert, ladies and gentlemen. Roman Reigns ain't freaking losing anytime soon. He ain't losing anytime soon. Not He's getting one, 1,000 days. 1, he's, 1, all he's got to do is get, get to the mania and he's there. So he's getting there. He may get 
fucking fifteen hundred with the Universal Championship. They got plenty of time. What? Uh, what? Am I still here? Okay. They need to end this by SummerSlam. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I understand if they want to get to a thousand days. If you're this close, you might as well go for it. I, it definitely makes sense to me. But uh, at that point, yeah, I don't know if they they have another Sami Zayn in their back pocket to make things interesting again because it wasn't this interesting six months ago. That's for sure. Uh, all right, my internet's acting up. Real quick, SP3, will the Elite tomorrow night be able to avoid an 0-3 hole against the Death Triangle and what's going to be, for sure, another big AEW Dynamite? Uh, no. Uh, no. They will go 0-3 against Death Triangle because it just makes sense that their next big show is Winter is Coming and Match 4 will be on Winter is Coming. They're skipping next week's Dynamite, and then the fourth match is going to be at Winter is Coming. What's more interesting for a big Dynamite, you know, uh, show is the Elite on the brink of losing this Best of Seven series, having a must-win against them, or a 2-1 Two one where the match really doesn't you know decide anything. It can be a three one lead for Death Triangle or the Elite's gonna tie it. I think the more interesting route is that is the Elite going into Winter is coming down oh three. Yeah, look, that I, I saw somebody say, look, I don't want him to go down oh three because then you know it's gonna go to seven. I'm like, we knew this was gonna, it's going to go to seven, seven at the beginning. Yeah, like yeah. what what wrestling best of seven has not gone to seven? So right, exactly. Like hell, I think. Didn't Sheamus and, and Cesaro go to like eight? <laughs> yeah, they went eight, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. So yeah, if you that, if you're mad, was... if, if you're mad, you you know that it's gonna go seven when when the Death Triangle goes down oh three. Then sorry, the drama. All the drama is the it, it's this is the Yankees Red Sox going down oh three, having to come back, having to dig deep, having to go to depths that you may not necessarily want to go to and able to pull off a victory. This is where the drama is, damn it, SP3. Yeah, Hell and then pretty much, pretty much last week's Dynamite and this week's Dynamite are basically non-title matches. That means that every match after Winter is Coming is basically a championship match because if Death Triangle wins, they retain the titles, but the Elite have to win to keep the series going. 100 percent uh a shock asking do they want to surpass bruno that's a long ass reign he had over two thousand days so they may want to do it but my goodness can any anybody here raise your hand you want to see roman reigns hang on to that championship until 2025 because like that's that's what it's going to take just to get to like 2000 if my math is correct I'm, so I'm, I'm telling y'all, ladies and gentlemen, I literally I'm saying it's going to SummerSlam because I can't deal with one more year of this. Like it was it's been very, very interesting and some of the best work of this entire run over the last six months. But that's been on someone else, not on Roman. So, yeah, I'm going to need I'm going to need something else to kind of come through and give it a little shot in the arm if it's going to go longer than another year. Sorry, Savette, didn't mean to bring up old wounds there. Said, yeah, that was, that, that was a low blow, Rick. That was. I'm, I'm just sitting here. I'm just, I'm trying to think of, like, big 03 comebacks. That was, that's the biggest one. That's the one that comes up in my head and never been done before at that point. I'm sorry, y'all and your 27 world championships. Fuck you. <laughs> we do appreciate everybody. 
<coughs> excuse me. Uh, out of, I'm not coughing as much, but I'm still coughing every now and again, and it's been an hour plus of talking. We appreciate everybody who has uh, tuned in uh, for today's show. Thank you guys so much for getting into the comments. Again, make sure to hammer the thumbs up. Make sure to hammer that subscribe button if you haven't already. SP3, what's coming up on True Heel Heat this week? Uh, this week on True Hill Heat, we got our usual watch-alongs tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time. You got NX3 watching NXT. I don't know anything that's going on on that show. I don't pay attention that well. Uh, tomorrow, we got Elite Heat watching AEW Dynamite. I'll be back on the True Hill Heat YouTube channel on Thursday, 105 p.m. Eastern time on AE Ramble, reviewing AEW Dynamite with myself and Jimmy Macaram. And I also have a, a cool interview going to come out either this weekend or early next week um interviewing impacts eddie edwards this week so uh that'll be stay tuned on the true hill heat youtube channel all right good stuff man uh, appreciate everybody thank you so much enjoy the rest of your tuesday enjoy nxt tonight dynamite tomorrow night sp3 and i will be back at some point to talk about that again we like to keep you guys guessing here on believe in pro wrestling brought to you by bet online thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.